Hello and welcome to Brave Hearts Rising, a podcast dedicated to the empaths, deep feelers and dreamers of the world. I'm your host Lisa Pascoe and in these episodes we explore what it takes to create a wholehearted life, one where you thrive from the inside out. Here we value diversity, compassion, creativity and kindness because we know that the world is a brighter, more fun place to be when you are free to show up as who you truly are, not just who the world wants you to be. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get on to today's episode. Hello, and today on the Brave Hearts Rising podcast, I'm talking to the delightful Dr. Lauren McDonald. She is a psychiatry doctor, yoga teacher, and stage four cancer survivor. And in this episode, she so generously shares with us her own experience of being diagnosed with cancer. The impact this had on her friendships, as well as the loneliness that she experienced. She also talks about healing from her own medical background. And we talk about the difference between being cured and healed. Now, any talk of death and illness can be very emotional and also controversial. So this episode does come with that caveat. Everything that I say comes from my own experience and opinions. And and just know that I approach this conversation with the best of intentions. With all that said, get comfortable and enjoy. So hello, Lauren. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Hi, Lisa. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. You are very welcome. So the reason I invited Lauren onto the show today is because she has some really powerful messages around healing and community. She has a background in psychology, integrative medicine and holistic psychiatry, which sounds very intriguing. For our listeners... What is holistic psychiatry? So I work in the NHS as a psychiatry doctor. Um, and I guess in terms of holistic psychiatry, you know, I'm very much a traditional adult psychiatrist. You know, I'm still on my training program, so I'm not a qualified psychiatrist yet. But I have taken so much from my journey, which I'm sure we're about to get into, in terms of my holistic approach to health. And I've learned so much about the mind-body connection that now I just understand that you cannot treat the mind without treating the body. Mm-hmm. So in terms of psychiatry, that's very much about looking at nutrition and sleep and exercise and all these other kind of things that we now know to be so important you know, for physical health, but also for mental health. Um, gut health being you know, the one that I shout about the most. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a case of slowly bringing it into the NHS. It's a kind of drive that's coming more from doctors within rather than from kind of our training as such. But yeah, just looking at psychiatry in a different way. Thank you. And while we're on this topic, actually, I just want to dive straight in because the gut is fascinating, right? Like we know lots about the mind, the brain, the kind of the neuroscience. We still don't know lots about what's happening with the gut, but we do know that when it comes to things like depression, low moods, the lots of stuff is going on that we just don't know about. Can you shed some light on that? Like what have you learned in your studies? Well, it's interesting because this is something that wasn't discussed when I was going through medical school or even when I was kind of a qualified doctor. And the science is only really kind of emerging over the last few years. And it just shows that, you know, the gut and the brain are connected. It's very much bi-directional. So things like stress, kind of our thoughts can really affect our gut health. And it goes the other way. So when we've got gut dysbiosis, which is essentially 
um, kind of an unhealthy gut or maybe not a particularly diverse range of gut bacteria, it really impacts our mental health as well. So giving someone an antidepressant without also looking at the other kind of components of health, it's like putting a plaster on a wound without really kind of actually trying to heal the wound itself. So it's a case of looking after the gut and then seeing if that helps improve anxiety, depression. I mean, there's evidence now that even things like schizophrenia um, is potentially, you know, not all, all types of schizophrenia, but there's potentially an element of either gut dysbiosis or inflammation that might impact even diseases, you know, as kind of extreme as schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And of course, like inflammation itself is also a really interesting topic because we are seeing an increase in kind of cases of general inflammation in our bodies. What, how can inflammation present itself? In so many ways, I really believe, and you know, there's studies to back this up, that inflammation is the root cause of so much disease. Um, we, whether it's through eating unhealthy foods or the toxins that we're putting on our bodies or the environmental insults that we're kind of being bombarded with every day, our bodies are quite often in a state of inflammation. And, you know, stress is a huge driver as well. It's one of those things, you know, we often go straight to the foods or the environment, but stress itself can drive inflammation. And yeah, the knock-on effect is obviously disease in the body, whether it's in the mind or the physical body. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the physical symptoms of inflammation? I know that's a big question. Just to give a flavour for listeners. It really, really depends on how it presents and it can present in so many different ways. Everything from brain fog to joint pain to, you know, if you've got things like Crohn's that can be, you know, driven by inflammation. Uh, and then, yeah, as I said, mental health as well, very much so like anxiety and depression. Thank you. It's just so fascinating. And I think for me, with Brave Hearts Rising, it is specifically for kind of the highly sensitive, the deep feelers. Um, And I know that so often highly sensitive people can almost take on the kind of the energies, the stresses around them and almost kind of internalize them, embody them. Obviously, this is not necessarily scientifically backed, but you're more likely to feel anxious. So for the listeners, I just want to acknowledge that this is such a, a controversial territory, be a, an emotive topic, and see everything I say on here is, is an, my opinion, <laughs> not necessarily any kind of medical advice. I just want to have that disclaimer because I think so many of us can be reluctant to have conversations because... We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to shame anyone because especially in the medical realm, there is so much advice thrown at people and we will come on to your story in a bit. And that will be really interesting to see what your experience was of, Oh, you know what you need to do. So I have a friend with chronic fatigue and she would just get bombarded with advice around what she should eat, what she shouldn't eat. And so often the person at the center of their own illness, they know what's right for them. Deep down, there is that sense and it's being supported to find the right solutions for you to find what's out there without being prescribed and being told what's best for you because we're so different. So now that I've said that, <laughs> we've got to continue. So with Brave Hearts Rising, it's you know aimed at people who are highly sensitive, deep feelers. And in my experience, 
that can have a side effect on the body because so many kind of emotions that people pick up from the external world get internalized and that can then present itself in stress in headaches in constipation and all sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily think were linked to your emotion and I think that's where it's so important to acknowledge this kind of mind body connection and that you can't you can't just heal one in isolation they have to be looked at together so one of the questions I had for you is on your website you talk about how you can be declared cured without being healed what is the difference between being cured and being healed so this is something I'm really passionate about because I only learned this through my own journey with illness and it wasn't something that was really touched upon during my medical training um, in terms of, you know, where I was kind of, if we rewind six years ago before my diagnosis, I had only ever really heard about healing in the context of, I don't know, a wound being healed or a broken bone being put back together through surgery. And curing was very much a physiological process of curing disease, be it through surgery or medication, treatment, chemotherapy. And there was no real overlap and that was how I came to understand curing and healing and then when I went on my own journey through my cancer diagnosis and then my healing journey to get better I really came to understand healing as something that can happen even when you have disease I progressed to stage four cancer which obviously there's no stage five so I was very much you know, my prognosis was less than a year. And although it had been such a challenging, difficult journey to get to that point, I was amazed that I was then able through all of these holistic practices. And, you know, I did so much work around um, really kind of healing myself that I was able to experience healing and curing as being different and so you know I had these active stage four tumors and yet I started to feel very content and happy and grateful and there was a real peace within me and for me healing now means you know a return to feeling whole and complete and experiencing joy which I hadn't done for in the years preceding while you know my cancer had been progressing and I guess that's just why I'm so passionate about healing now, because I think we can all do with healing in our lives, whether, you know, you don't have to have disease. For me, my kind of entry, my, my education about healing was very much my cancer. But whether you, you know, you've, you're just really stressed out, or you've experienced burnout, or maybe you've got relationship challenges, we can all do with healing, that return to wholeness and knowing that you know, we've got everything we need within ourselves. It's just, you know, we're so disconnected, you know, generally across our society. And it's this, yeah, just connection to ourselves and connection to each other and a bigger sense of love. So that's a very long-winded way of saying that's what I believe healing to be. And that's why it's so different to curing because you can very much be healed or at least experience healing without being cured. And I really believe you know the opposite to be true as well you can be cured without being healed i know several people that have gone into remission you know i'm obviously connected to the cancer community due to my experience so so my experiences and conversations are often with people who've had cancer or have cancer and a lot of them go into remission they're declared you know cancer free 
and yet they are broken and exhausted and not able to find joy in every day anymore and they really need to go on that healing journey and it's something that i don't think anyone else can do for you you know mm -hmm. there's so many tools and strategies you can use but it is really quite an individual journey to come back to yourself thank you so much for sharing that so for the listeners who don't know about your journey i would love for you to share what that was like for you but also because you were young when you were diagnosed mm. how how did that shift things now i imagine in quite a big way but tell us about your experience so everything really started well the story i'm going to share began when i was 27 um, so i'm now 35 so you know this is going back a little way and at the time i was a newly qualified doctor i was kind of partying hard i was you know doctors typically work hard play hard and my life you know on the surface probably looked okay but there was a lot of stress and anxiety my love life was a bit of a mess i had recently moved out of the house i'd shared with my partner into a shared home and if I'm truly honest, I wasn't surprised when I was diagnosed with cancer. I'd had one of those kind of rock bottom moments in the shower where I'd been crying and actually thought to myself, if I don't get on top of this stress and anxiety, I'm going to make myself ill. And I was diagnosed at 27 and it progressed. So obviously the, the initial diagnosis was huge. I, I think actually, even though I then progressed over the years to stage four, that initial diagnosis when I was stage two, so for anyone who doesn't really understand the staging system, that's when the tumour was very much localised to the area and it hadn't spread to my lymph nodes or other organs. But, you know, being told at 27 when your life's just kind of starting to get sorted and you're, you just, you don't expect it at any age, but definitely not in your 20s. And the problem was, is because I was a doctor and because I knew so much about cancer, I wasn't really, even though I had surgery to remove the initial tumour, I wasn't really able to resume my normal life because at the back of my mind, I had this overwhelming fear that it was going to come back, um, which of course it did. Um, I then progressed to my lymph nodes. And then about nine months later on a CT scan, it was in my lung, my adrenal gland and my chest wall. And by that point, the, it was growing really rapidly. And it was terrifying. I think I went into basically a state of fight, flight, or even that freeze state. I was probably pretty numb for a few years and very much in survival mode. Didn't really have any coping strategies. And yeah, it was, it was terrifying, to be honest. And as I'm sure any listeners who have ever been diagnosed or have seen friends or family be diagnosed, there's, I don't think there's anything else that takes the rug out from underneath you quite like a cancer diagnosis. Thank you for sharing. And how did that shift your perspective on life? Did you see as the meaning of life before your diagnosis, maybe mid and then post? Because I imagine it's ever shifting. Definitely. I, I've, I've finally got to the point. I'm so grateful. I'm now three and a half years in remission. And it's just, you know, it, I've had that time now to reflect back. I think when mm -hmm. I was in it and I was in such survival mode, it was quite difficult to really understand what was going on or take any lessons or wisdom from it and I finally got to the point where you know do you know what so having said that I did have one huge awakening 
the night I was diagnosed. And I remember going home and I didn't sleep a wink all night. And suddenly I just like, this is it. This has been it. I think I've been waiting to start living, which, you know, so many of us do. We're waiting for the job to be ideal, the home to be ideal, to meet the perfect partner, to have the children, you know, all of these things. And suddenly I just have this overwhelming, deep understanding that this is it. If I die next week or next month, you know, this has been my life up until this point. And it really brought up two huge things, two questions really, which was, have I loved enough? And have I been loved enough? And also, ha has the world been better simply by me having been born and being, you know, living? Uh, and I think that really ties in with having a legacy. Mm -hmm. So those, those kind of two big questions came up. Um, I didn't really get to answer them properly. It was just something that came up and I was pondering. And then obviously, as I've journeyed through, I've really kind of just dug deeper into them. And I think they really now direct my life. You know, I regularly check in with the people I love. I try and share so much love with people and I let myself be loved. And equally, it's made me slightly change direction in terms of my career and how I'm sharing and showing, showing up really, because I want to help more people and I want my life to have meant something and to have touched and helped other people just by being alive. Yeah, as horrendous as cancer is, and it's, it's one of those things I used to hear people who had maybe gone into remission saying, oh, it's such a gift. And when you're in it, you're like, it's not a bloody gift. <laughs> but I finally got to the point where, you know, I don't know if the gift is the right word, but there is some such deep wisdom that comes out of that fear, I guess. And there is something about being faced with your own mortality that does just it just throws everything into chaos and it does make you question things at kind of 27 you think you're invincible as well you don't ever think you're ever going to get old you definitely don't think you're ever going to die mm -hmm. so having that wake-up call at such a young age was quite powerful because I don't know what it is about humans, whether we're so terrified to think about death that we ignore it or pretend it's not going to happen to us. Especially in our society, we, you know, death is something that's quite often hidden, is hidden, hidden mm -hmm. away, isn't it? And where, whereas other societies and cultures really celebrate people's lives and their deaths. But for us, yeah, it's still quite a taboo subject, I think, which is something that really needs to change because there's so much wisdom and and it really can inform how you live your life if you are so acutely aware of your death at the end of it mm -hmm. all and it, that it might come at any point um but it is a subject that brings up so many emotions for so many people for lots of different reasons as well mm -hmm. yeah it always struck me when steve jobs gave his speech and talked about death being kind of life's greatest gift because it does kind of hold a mirror up you say is this how i want to be living my life and Definitely. for me, it always helps to think, you know, when all is said and done and I look back over my life, what would I like to see? You know, what are the things that actually are really important? I think, no, actually, I, I hope I have written that book or, you know, <laughs> it just helps me filter some of my decisions and go, actually, when I look back, is this really important or is it not so important? And how can I shift things? Um, and it's something I've spoken about previously, but I found out my dad had Huntington's when I was 19 and I then had to have the genetic testing and that whole year process was 
really hard. I kind of swept it all under the carpet once they found out I didn't have Huntington's. But when I read the book Genome and in it said something like 20, 20 horrifying years of degeneration and I just remember reading those words and just thinking oh my it's really tough to deal with your own mortality and I think this is a really important topic to speak on because of the statistics now one in two of us will experience cancer I think at least in the western world imagine statistics change depending on where in the world you are and all sorts of demographics at the moment it's like one in two in the UK right and that's high and it's really scary and there's this really difficult balance of like living right now in your presence but also kind of future proofing yourself which is almost impossible but there is this sense right um and there is so much information out there it can almost be like am i on my phone too much if i'm on my phone too much will i get cancer like if i microwave my food will i get cancer it can sound silly but i'm sure there'll be listeners listening who have these thoughts um particularly as highly sensitive so it can be so sensitive to the energy around us electronic equipment can really have an impact it's always it always comes back to balance i think is is the biggest message i want to send to people because yeah, I don't want to terrify everyone by talking about this topic and, you know, make people worried they're going to get cancer or get ill. Um, just something to consider at the back of your mind rather than thinking you are immortal and going to live forever. It's not that you need to panic and worry that you're going to die, but just be grateful for every day you get to wake up mm-hmm. and you know, every sunrise you get to see and the day ahead, because it really does come back to living the present moment and being grateful for where you are. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not being always grateful for where you are, because I wasn't always, you know, the, what I've just been through in the last kind of five years or so, I definitely didn't wake up every day feeling really grateful. But I was able to live in the present moment, which I think is really powerful. And I think that's really important to highlight. Like you said, when you're in it, you're not necessarily feeling grateful. You're not necessarily feeling positive. And, and when you're out of it, you might not be either. So again, it's not to shame people in how you should be feeling about your illness, whether it's cancer or a different type of illness or a depression or whatever your situation is. It's just saying there are there are alternative ways of healing to the ones that maybe you're being given to your doctor or in combination with what you're being given with your doctor. Because again, and I've spoken about this before, there can be a lot of shaming around taking pills. And oh, you don't need antidepressants, go for a walk in the woods, which equally is so reductive. <laughs> and blinkered and again it's taking that person in front of you and saying what is best for this person because again it's such an emotive topic and it's too easy to be pro or against without saying actually there is this middle ground where things can work together and I think healing is very much a individual you know there's no one size fits all prescription for healing and it's really led by intuition and gut gut kind of feelings Mm -hmm. i think you know i definitely was bombarded with as soon as i was diagnosed everyone is trying to be helpful everyone knows somebody who's had cancer who maybe beat it by doing this or juicing that and everyone's trying to be helpful by sending you all these newspaper articles or suggestions but actually you know, I'm, I just want to say I'm a huge, obviously, advocate for conventional medicine. And I had, I received conventional medicine alongside all the holistic kind of modalities I've, I've tried. 
but it was really tuning in to what was right for me as well. So I had to just kind of start ignoring everyone else's mm-hmm. advice and really sitting with my body and asking it what it needed to start healing. So on top of that, what other things helped you get through those kind of years of kind of the intense healing process that you went through? What are some of the beliefs that you had? So it was very much a journey. I came at it. I think most people who are diagnosed with cancer, the first thing they do is change their diet because it's almost something very tangible that you can control. And when everything's thrown up in the air and you feel like everything's out of control, you want to regain a little bit of control. So yeah, I changed my diet. I went plant-based very early on. I started juicing every day, started taking certain supplements. So that was very much on a physical level. And for about 18 months, that was all I was really focused on because I I don't know why. I just hadn't really considered the mind-body connection and definitely hadn't been really taught at medical school any any of that. So it was very much physical healing. And what really helped me over later years, even as the cancer progressed, or probably especially as the cancer progressed, was focusing more on my mind and really my spiritual health as well. I don't think I was a particularly spiritual person prior to my diagnosis, but that definitely changed afterwards. And I started meditating regularly, practicing yoga, lots of mindfulness practices, walking the dog out in nature, and started actually speaking to myself with loving kindness. So I'd go on these walks and I mean, I probably looked absolutely crazy, but I would quite often say out loud, you're doing so well, you know, keep going, you're doing so well, because I needed to hear that. So I guess it was like personal affirmations, but I didn't really know about affirmations at the time. Mm -hmm. It was just something that felt again, intuitive for me to just need to hear it. And in terms of my spiritual health, I started praying, which I've, you know, I'd never done. I'm not a religious person, but praying to, I had one really kind of moment I remember so well, I'd had to move back to my parents' house because I couldn't afford my rent in Brighton anymore. And I was feeling quite isolated and alone. I'd had to move kind of six hours back to the other side of the country. I'd lived in Brighton for 10 years. So there was very much a kind of physical isolation going on as well, which really impacted me. But I started just praying to the stars one night. I've always had since I was really young, you know, when when friends or family members have died, I kind of assign them stars in the sky. Um, Mm. And, you know, the vivid stars, that you know which ones they are. And I just went outside in the garden and, this is when I had stage four cancer. The tumors weren't shrinking. They were growing quite rapidly and just prayed, you know, please, if there's any, anyone up there listening, I really need your help right now. If you can help me, I promise I will, you know, I will do good things in this world and I want to live. And I was out there for about an hour or something. And it was, I think that was really when I totally surrendered having been, you know, I was in this survival kind of very much trying to control everything for so long. And then that was probably a turning point in terms of me just going, do you know what? I've tried so hard, you know, for all of these years, I have been juicing every day and taking these supplements and I've been meditating and practicing yoga. And now I just have to surrender because what will be will be and please help me. And that, yeah, I just think that's really why I'm so passionate about this kind of mind, body, spirit approach to healing it's very much this you need this full picture because I think if you're only focusing on your physical health 
or only your emotional health, you're really missing a trick. And it is this total package that is needed in term, at least in my opinion, I, as I said before, healing is so individual and, you know, for someone, the idea of me standing out in the garden, pray, like <laughs> praying up at these stars <laughs> might be absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really powerful for me and opened something within me and let me relax as well. Mm -hmm. I'd been so in the survival, sympathetic drive state. So for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's that, you know, our autonomic nervous system, we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And the sympathetic is that cortisol adrenaline driven side mm -hmm. of ourselves you know when historically we're running from saber-toothed tigers and we, you know we we need to be able to run and run away yeah. from danger but i had been in that state for years and i i knew you know the body is designed to heal and self-heal and i needed to get myself into that parasympathetic state which i've been trying to do through meditation mm -hmm. and all these things but I really think it was that final surrender that just enabled me to drop into a calmer state of, you know, this is beyond me now. What will be, will be. Thank you. And I imagine that none of the listeners will think that sounded crazy because Brave Hearts Rising listeners are all open <laughs> to being curious about the world. You talked about what the sympathetic system was. For those who don't know what the parasympathetic Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah sorry i'm throwing in some doctor jargon there no that's um, great because i have heard it in um the mental health industry being talked about but um for the listeners who don't know so the parasympathetic state is more of our rest and digest state so as i said autonomic nervous system you've got the sympathetic side which is this adrenaline cortisol fueled side and then you know this is very good for things like running away when we get faster heart rate heart, you know more blood pressure and the blood's diverted to our limbs but when we are needing to rest and digest that's parasympathetic driven and the way we get into that state is through things like resting and meditating and more recently i've come to breath work which is a really great way to kind of stimulate the vagus nerve which is the main nerve that goes between the kind of the, the body and the mind really and yeah it just enables you to drop into that state I'm sure listeners will have experienced it and you know sometimes when you're just having a cup of tea in the garden just mindfully looking around you just feel that overwhelming sense of peace and calm and it, it often in our kind of daily lives it's quite rare to experience it so quite often you notice when you've dropped into it and that's your mm -hmm. parasympathetic state and that's when our bodies can really heal themselves because they can't do it when we're in this sympathetic state. No, thank you for that. I'm such a big advocate too of just taking those quiet moments. And it's not about having to meditate for 20 minutes every day or put pressure on ourselves because I think, you know, the healing, self-care, self-love world can be quite prescriptive. And if you're not careful and if you're kind of a list-driven person or a should, you're in a should state, you might think, oh, I need to get up at 4am and have a green smoothie and do my yoga. <laughs> if that feels good to you, that's amazing. But when it becomes a pressure of like, oh my God, I haven't done my affirmations yet today. I'm a terrible person. Um, then it <laughs> becomes a problem. But just taking five deep breaths is so powerful. Exactly. It can be whatever it works for you. And it is so individual. You know, it might be journaling every morning or having a cup of tea looking out the window or just breathing or having a hug with somebody you love 
it can be whatever works for you stroking your dog or cat you know I find that so relaxing and it's just so important to take those little moments and like you said not having the pressure of I think that's a problem with this kind of self-help personal development world now is there's you know a pressure to get up at five o'clock in the morning and you've got to do this 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 and this before you start work and actually that can put a lot of stress on our bodies and minds itself so it's it's just working out teasing apart what's right for you and just yeah as always just coming back to your intuition and your gut kind of your, your body knows what it needs to heal and it's just working out that what, what works for you mm-hmm. and giving it space as well because we clutter our lives so much with all, all the things mm, so it definitely. is taking that time so that you can tune in it's like yesterday I was kind of feeling a bit like I've been on social media too much I've just been taking in lots of information in my head and it, and like what came through to me it's almost like I'm trying to hear my own song but I'm so busy playing like a hundred radio stations at once that I just can't hear a thing so sometimes we just need to switch off the noise so we can hear what we already know but it's just we're just not able to Mm. more space for it because we're holding space for too many other things and have some fun as well I think that's another a huge one for me was you know I've been so stressed and anxious um throughout Mm -hmm. my journey with cancer and after that kind of big surrender moment I don't want to make it sound like it was you know the heavens parted and (laughs) the light shone on me but there was something in that that evening and after that I just thought you know what life's sure I cannot keep controlling you know I was so I was vegan at the time I was very controlling with what I was eating in terms of trying to cure my cancer in term, in that way you know I was meditating you know journaling doing yoga all these you know shoulds my should list and yeah it was just a case of thinking I'm just gonna have some fun as well and there's so much to be said for you know laughing and that's very healing you know it's really good for our immune systems to have a good laugh so yeah, not taking everything too seriously, um, mm-hmm. even if, you know, I was obviously in a very serious situation, but it's amazing the lightness and the joy that can seep in, even in the darkest moments. Oh, 100%. Definitely. And working in mental health, you know, when you're working one-to-one with people, it is bringing joy to serious situations that is so powerful and healing because it's how we connect as humans. It's what gets the kind of the good stuff going in us, you know, keeps us young. Um, so you also talk about the power of community and how we need community for healing. What role do you see community playing in that process of healing? So this understanding really came out of my, I kind of touched on it earlier, but well, after I was diagnosed with stage four cancer, I had to move back to my parents' house in Devon, which is about five or six hours away from Brighton. You know, I'd been there for nearly 10 years. All my friends were there. And suddenly I found myself in the countryside in Devon, away from my community. You know, my parents are amazing. But then it's not the same, is it, as the kind of the friendships that you've, you've established over the years. And... On top of that, obviously, I had stage four cancer. None of my friends had experienced really disease, let alone such a serious illness. So I was isolated on lots of different levels. And I found myself doing the typical 
patient thing of waking up at four o'clock in the morning and trying to find stories online of people who'd survived my illness or communities I could be part of just so I felt less alone. I mean, the four o'clock kind of aloneness was absolutely crippling. And I remember at the time just thinking, this cannot be good for my healing. You know, this overwhelming loneliness and isolation. And there is so much evidence, you know, the studies prove it that the the communities and the cultures that live live longest you know there's something called the blue zones which is really interesting but it's these communities of people where because they live together and they're all supporting each other they live longer happier lives and we're all so disconnected and mm -hmm. it's this need for connection you know on one level we're so connected through our phones but you know we've also never been so disconnected mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a case of using social media and the internet to come together, not just to like someone's photo, but to really start having conversations and supporting each other in that way. Because what I've learned is even though, you know, you can be so physically isolated, but you don't need to be truly alone. Um, and the internet is really incredible if used in the right way. So yeah, that's actually something I'm working on at the moment. I'm hoping to, well, I will be launching in January, um, the holistic healing inner circle and this is going to be a community of people who want to come together and really heal you know whatever whatever that is going on in their lives it doesn't have to be a physical illness it could be relationship issues or grief money problems you know all these things that we need to heal in our lives but really be part of a held and supported community working on the mind body and spirit aspects of healing and yeah again that's why i started the podcast because i want to have these deeper conversations that really talk about healing which is something that the word healing i think it brings up a lot of connotations and maybe it's a little bit woo woo for some people but when we really kind of get to the crux of it that idea of being whole and connected and seen and supported by each other is what i think is going to sort out all of the issues in our world you know if we can just be more loving and supportive towards each other I think amazing things will happen if someone's listening and they're feeling really isolated and they are maybe they're going through their own kind of healing process what are some of the things that you found helpful that you would maybe recommend or what are some of the things that they could try so when I was really you know first back at my parents feeling very isolated Something that helped me so much was finding, I don't know if you've heard of Yoga with Adrienne. She's a online yogi who has a YouTube channel with absolutely millions of followers. And it was as simple as every day sitting down, well, getting onto my mat and going through a flow with Adrienne. The idea of having that connection with another human, you know, it was a pre-recorded video, it wasn't live, but it just enabled me to feel less alone and then I started joining various community online communities looking for support seeking support and after a period of really kind of retracting from friends and family I just realized I needed to open up again and start mm -hmm. talking to people about how I was really feeling I think my my go-to coping mechanism at the time was very much to retreat and try and get through it on my own, which I think so many people do, but actually we really need to reach out to people because they can't help us if they don't know the, kind of mm -hmm. the depths of our 
pain and suffering. So yeah, I just say really reach out. I didn't have any counseling or therapy throughout my cancer treatment. And it wasn't until, I mean, this is opening up another conversation, but I was in a car accident last year and ended up in a wheelchair for about five months. And it was only because I was getting quite severe flashbacks of the accident that I actually ended up going to see a psychologist. And we ended up, you know, once we'd dealt with the flashbacks through an amazing therapy called eye movement desensitization therapy, which is, if anyone has ever suffered trauma, it's something that's really worth looking at. But we then actually revisited the, the years of cancer treatment and the diagnosis. And it was such a relief to finally talk to someone, you know, I had spoken to friends and family a little bit about it, but just really having that human connection and sharing and being heard was so healing. It just took me, it took me way too long to get there. And I don't know why that is, you know, I work in psychiatry myself. I know how important it is, but I think when you're going through it, sometimes you need someone to say, you know, I think you should maybe go and speak to someone, you know, you're going through a lot and you're carrying a lot on your own. Mm -hmm. yeah I guess you know that's not really necessarily a community but that's definitely um it's just it always comes down to human connection and love and there's an element of being vulnerable and letting yourself be vulnerable which at the time feels really scary but it is quite often the kind of portal to your healing as well mm -hmm. and there can be so much discomfort being around someone with a diagnosis because kind of through their own illness you're somehow facing your own mortality you know what if that were me and you know people can then make it about themselves and I think people who are ill can actually what you naturally want to protect people around you and not kind of become quote-unquote a burden or feel like one um you don't want to become a problem to fix and can I just say something about that <laughs> yeah. actually because yeah. that's just um kind of made me think about something but it was actually really interesting how many friendships faded away during mm -hmm. that time, you know, at a time when you're most in need and, and most scared and you, you, you kind of almost assume and expect everyone to rally around you. Mm -hmm. And one of the saddest things, but also which now looking back was kind of a gift was that a lot of friendships fell away you know people either they didn't know what to say or like you just said maybe they were scared that you know maybe I was reminding too much of their own mortality or maybe the friendships had just been party friendships in my 20s mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't really know why you know I'm sure there's lots of different reasons why these friends fell away and you know for a while I felt so let down and and really sad about it but then these other friends came out of the woodwork who maybe I drifted away from or, you know, they hadn't really seen for a long time. And I think when you go through something, you know, whether it's cancer or a divorce or the loss of a loved one, it really, you know, to use my mum's expression, it separates the wheat from the chaff. Mm -hmm. You really learn who your people are and that you, you will remember and, you know love those people so so much for the rest of your life and in turn be there for them when they go through something and I just really want to say if anyone you know wh whether or not it's you that's going through it but if, if it's someone else that you you know who is going through a difficult time whatever it may be just send a message saying I'm here if you need me and uh, you know quite often when I was probably at my lowest I wasn't really replying to messages mm -hmm. um, it was a real effort to even get myself out of bed in the morning for a while 
so let alone you know wanting to apply to various messages but just seeing a message of love and support was so powerful and yeah there's a few people that just blew me away with their absolute you know every day messaging me and you know they, they later said well, was that really annoying like you know I was like no it was the most amazing gift you could have given me it wasn't you know they, they wasn't they weren't saying anything groundbreaking or or offering me advice it was just purely saying I love you and I'm here for you and yeah now that was a really big lesson for me because I think my friends and dad had died of cancer not long before my own diagnosis and I thought I was doing the right thing by ringing her once and sending her a card and texting her once. And then I basically stepped away and thought, you know, I'll let her be with her, you know, her family and her very close friends. But actually I realized through my own journey with cancer that actually the best thing I could have done was to message her a few times a week, even if she wasn't replying. So it's interesting, isn't it? What you learn when you go through things yourself. Now, if anything happens to friends, I message them incessantly, probably <laughs> too much, but it's just because I want them to know that they, if they ever need me, I am there for them. Mm -hmm. So for someone listening who has a friend or family member or close person who has recently been diagnosed with cancer and they feel like they don't know how to approach it because it does feel scary. You don't want to say the wrong thing, but you also want to show your support. Like, how would you recommend that they might approach that? I truly believe that sometimes just calling, calling it out is the best thing you can do. Even saying to that person, you know, I don't want to make this about me. It's very much about you, but I don't know what you need. I don't know what to say and I want to be there for you, but I'm actually struggling a little bit myself because I'm devastated as you know, we all are. I think sometimes just saying, you know, being truly honest mm -hmm. is a really good place to start. And I think, you know, nobody expects you to know what to do in a, in a time of crisis. It's very much, you know, you're all kind of feeling your way through it a little bit blind. And, you know, sometimes you will maybe do something that wasn't that helpful. And other times, you know, what your actions and words might have been really helpful, but it's a bit of a kind of, process I think and it very much depends on the person who's been diagnosed as well mm -hmm. you know, for me I could say what was helpful for me but you know we're also individual what, what was helpful for me might not be helpful for someone else um, but it, it is just saying you know I am here and if you need me like, what can I do for you because you know when someone's going through chemotherapy it might be that they need their dog being walked or mm -hmm. they might need their children being picked up or food packages delivered if they're able to eat so it's not guessing what they need it's really just asking and just letting them know that you're there for them thank you so much i would love to ask just a little bit about the true fields festival because i know that you spoke there in 2018 and it sounds really interesting for those listeners who've not heard of true fields what is it who's it for what can you expect I'm so pleased you asked about this because it is a incredible festival that was set up by my friend Sophie True. She's become a friend because she's invited me to speak at the festival several times and it is kind of termed the UK's first holistic health and cancer awareness festival mm -hmm. and it was started because Sophie was diagnosed with cancer when she was I think 21 you know she was very early 20s fortunately went into remission after having chemotherapy 
but she just similar to myself had gone on this holistic journey um, very much realizing that conventional medicine is so important but in order to experience healing and really give your body the best chance of survival as well you need to explore these other holistic modalities and again it being very individual so she's done a really good job of curating a festival which brings together you know there's an element of science in terms of there's some amazing doctors that speak every year integrative practitioners and she gets people from all around the world she's an amazing amazing woman and then she blends in the kind of more spiritual side of things and and also a little bit of a shamanic element as well so you know there might be drumming workshops and singing dancing and workshops you know last year was a brilliant one on psychedelic medicine and cannabis and cbd and it's all of it it's basically a really lovely blend of the science and the spiritual and the integrative and the holistic whatever whatever terms you want to use but it's also a celebration of life and i mean she doesn't shy away from people talking about death as well because obviously it's very much at the forefront of a lot of people's minds when they attend the festival because although it's not purely for cancer patients you know a lot of people come who have either who have either got cancer or they've previously had cancer or they know somebody with cancer and yeah it's just a beautiful beautiful festival it's so needed in the cancer community because it really brings people together face to face and as we were talking about earlier the internet is it can be amazing you know you can have all these online communities which can be supportive but really kind of getting to hug people and speak to people face to face and be inspired um yeah it's just really special mm -hmm. just taking those connections offline where you can yeah. definitely yeah it's in surrey in july so before we wrap up i have my questions that i ask every guest what are you most grateful for right now Today I am most grateful for, so I've had a, an amazing day canyoning, which I didn't really know what canyoning was before I went. And it's essentially getting a lot of a harness on and ropes and going down waterfalls. And it's something that had you told me, you know, I was in a wheelchair at the beginning of this year after the car accident and I didn't even know if I was going to be able to walk again. It's taken me, you know, I've been on another healing journey beyond cancer mm -hmm. and I got to the bottom of the last waterfall today and just had a really good cry. I haven't cried for ages and it was tears of happiness and gratitude and just being so in the moment. And I think I was just so grateful for the fact that my leg is, you know, it's not quite there. I can't run yet, and I'm, but it's getting there definitely compared to where I was a year ago. But I just, you know, canyoned down this waterfall and I was in such a beautiful place. Um, just being in Bali is such a gift, you know, running a yoga retreat recently was just such an amazing experience. And surviving cancer, you know, I say surviving lightly. I don't know what the future holds. Obviously, as a stage four cancer patient, I am very fortunate to be kind of termed no evidence of disease. But I was on, I've been on a new drug trial. You know, who knows what's going to happen in the future? But right now, I am alive. I am, you know, able to walk. I'm able to canyon down a waterfall. 
and I've just run an amazing yoga retreat for the first time so yeah I just feel overwhelming gratitude and I think that's what my tears were really just expressing today it felt really good to have a good cry as well <laughs> but you know I used to really shy away from crying and actually it's just so great isn't it too whether they're tears of sadness or tears of joy I think it's good to just feel all your emotions thank you and what is one of your favorite ways to practice self-care that's such a great question for me you know self-care used to mean bubble baths and candles and nights on the sofa watching tv and now i think it has really become more about being kind and compassionate to myself mm-hmm. and how i speak you know that that inner voice that's mm-hmm. you know so many years used to i've always suffered with imposter syndrome which i know a lot of us experience especially as women and you know that kind of critical voice like who are you to do that or you know whatever whatever it was saying and yeah now it's just about being really kind to myself and just saying you're doing a great job whatever you're doing um not beating myself up yeah I think that's just so important and who's inspiring you right now Oh, I'm inspired by so many people. Um, Who is inspiring me right now? I am forever inspired by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm -hmm. Liz Gilbert, who I'm sure lots of listeners have read Big Magic and, you know, Eat, Pray, Love is obviously a classic. And as I'm in Bali right now, I'm probably (laughs) thinking about that. But um, she actually lost her partner to cancer earlier this year. And she has been so... She's been really open and vulnerable about the pain of losing her. And I've listened to quite a few podcast episodes on it. Not not really because I'm so kind of in the cancer thing, but just because I really admire her her ability to be so human mm-hmm. and share the depths of her pain because it's really difficult, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better, but for a long time I've, I've struggled to be really honest about how difficult things have been and how challenging it's been. But I think she's just such an amazing example of sharing her truth and being beautifully vulnerable, which, yeah, really helps with that human connection that we're all craving. So, yeah, Liz Gilbert is forever my hero. Thank you. And tell us about a book that's transformed your life. I have read so many books. That was one of the things I did when I was first diagnosed. I just went self-help book crazy. And there's a brilliant book by a doctor called Lissa Rankin, who is an American physician who used to be a gynecologist, I think. And through her own kind of health crisis and healing journey, she has written quite a few books that really speak to me. And the one that springs to mind most is a book called Mind Over Medicine. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first books I read when I was diagnosed. And it's really that idea that our thoughts and beliefs can impact our physical body and our health and healing. Um, can I say another one as well that's just popped into mind? <laughs> <Of course. laughs> There's another one by Kelly Turner called Radical Remission. And... That again, I think they were the two books I purchased pretty much straight away after my diagnosis. And she interviews 
thousands and thousands of patients to really work out why it is that some patients survive. You know, obviously there's so many factors, you know, the aggressiveness of the cancer, the type of cancer, but, you know, taking all of that into account, she did a really comprehensive study and was able to pull out nine factors that really set, you know, that made the difference between people surviving or people dying. And of the nine factors, I think it's only two or three that were physical and the rest were all kind of mental and spiritual practices or beliefs that people had acquired. And it really, again, just opened me up to, I've been so focused on my physical health and, you know, trying to cure cancer, focusing only on my body through this nutrition pathway and, you know, exercise and things, but it really opened me up to realizing that the mind and body and spirit are so connected and that in order to really give myself the best chance of surviving, I had to kind of start looking at those areas as well. So yeah, two amazing books. Thank you. And finally, if you could tell the listeners one thing, what would it be? It would go, I think I'd go back to that night where I was lying awake all night and had that just awakening that this is it. You know, we're so often focused on the future or the past even, but very much this is it. We don't know Mm -hmm. what tomorrow holds. And all we've got really is today. So, you know, it's not a case of being so grateful for it because I know it is really difficult um, sometimes, but just bringing a sense of awareness into the present day. And I think awareness quite often leads into gratitude you know as soon as you're aware of the present moment you can potentially no matter what you're going through find you know an element of joy in the sunset or somebody that you have a conversation with and yeah that's just where that's life really that's what we've got is all we've got is today so Mm -hmm. just find some joy in every day 100% and before you go what are you currently working on and how can listeners find out more about you and your current work so I am currently having a break from working in psychiatry. I have just ran my first run my first yoga retreat in Bali, which was a huge success. So we're actually running one at the beginning of 2020, which is really exciting. And I have a podcast coming out as well in 2020 called The Holistic Healing Project. And I'm going to be interviewing a range of scientists and healers and thought leaders and people who've been on their own healing journeys. Um, They're really, really interesting conversations and very varied. So I hope there'll be something for everybody. And yeah, as I mentioned before, I've got the Holistic Healing Inner Circle launching as well, which is going to be an online group membership for anyone who would like to go deeper in their healing, whatever healing means to you. It doesn't have to be healing from physical disease. It's, you know, as we talked at the very, very beginning, healing and curing, there's, there is a difference. And this is very much focused on healing and enjoying a sense of returning to wholeness and connection and love. Thank you so much. And where can people find you online? So I am over at Holistic Healing Project on Instagram. I also have another Instagram account called Dr. Lauren Cara. And you can also find me over on my website, drlaurenmacdonald.com. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. And I can already tell there's so many more things we could talk about. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, Lisa. I really enjoyed it. And have a wonderful week. Take care. Thank Bye. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brave Hearts Rising podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating. 
And if you would like to receive my nourishing notes and reminders to be kind to yourself, as well as keep up to date with any future events and offerings, you can head over and sign up at www.lisapasco.com forward slash say hello. As always, remember to be kind to yourself and have a wonderful week. Bye.